Okay, so as we all sort of can tell if you follow along with the uh, with the channel and with my other entries, sometimes I go on little blocks when it comes to maybe certain actors or even a certain genre. I try to, to keep things, you know, up to date and I try to do things that, you know, are recent. But, you know, again, this is also, you know, a diary of the the idea of cinema and entertainment in general. So I also like to go back and look at other stuff that we that we don't talk about anymore because it's, you know, they're they're older and they aren't uh, the topic of conversation, but I'm still growing this channel and I'm still adding things and I'm also still just going back and experiencing other films over again, you know, there's you can only watch so many things and there's only so many things that could interest you. And so many things that you would actually want to devote your time to act to viewing and um, giving your time to. So with that being said, I just recently, because both me and my wife, we, we like to watch, you know, various different things. And we get into moods where, you know what, let's do, you know, let's go on a horror block and we'll watch a bunch of random horror films. And recently we went on a, uh, an action or a kung fu block and... For the first time, I exposed my wife to a um, action star, I'll say. I don't want to say like a kung fu star or anything like that. That's kind of lame, but an action star. And her name is Jijayanin. For those who are exposed to the world and those who, I guess you can say, follow certain actors or actresses when it comes to films that you want to watch or even just if you're really into this this type of action style film especially foreign action films she was a action star for a couple of films back between the years 2008 and 2011 she only has three starring roles we're going to talk about all three of those films and it's unfortunate because the last one is kind of a dump and she doesn't really get much else besides these little random co-starring roles. Her most recent one, she was in this film from 2019, um, Triple Threat, which the focus of that film... Now, don't get me wrong, that's a great film in and of itself, just for all of its the action that that film uh, is involved in as well. But that film is kind of like... Um, be, ac be Action Stars Expendables. Like, if The Expendables is all, like, A-list action stars, this is all the B-list action stars. And I really feel bad saying that because I love all of these, all of these, all these actors and actresses. And they, I think their their films are fantastic. So, that, Triple Threat has got Tony Jaa. Um, it's got Ego U.S. It's got Scott Atkins. It's got Michael Jai White. And they're kind of in, like, the front runner of who the film is focused on. But Jijayanin is in that film as kind of another member of this team and what that story is about. I, the, the, it's not about that. This movie is not what this entry is about. So I just want to mention that that's the most recent thing she's done. But besides that and some of the starring, co-starring roles like that and minor things, she does have three lead roles. And it's upsetting because I feel like she deserves more or at least another one, you know, at least kind of a comeback. Because I get that the last one was garbage, but the first two are pretty solid, at least to me. So the first film she does is in 2008. It's called Chocolate. Now, no, it's don't confuse it with Chocolat, with Johnny Depp. No, it's Chocolate, but that is the 
American name that was that it was given. I don't know what the actual name for it when it was released um, before it got English dubbed or translated over um, to America, but the American name for the film is Chocolate. Now, what is Chocolate about? Well, Chocolate is about an autistic girl with the ability to kind of mimic the things that she views on a consistent basis. So think about it like there are certain traits in the autistic world where they'll repeat things that they see or actions and whatnot. This just kind of heightens that to almost like she's almost a savant autistic, but it's only with visuals. And it just so happens that the visuals she enjoys to intake is martial arts action films and training and whatnot. And she also has uh, crazy reflexes, um, but she doesn't have very good social skills. She doesn't have very good uh, verbal skills. She hates flies, and she's constantly eating M&Ms. That's why it's called chocolate. And that's the only reason it's called chocolate, because chocolate has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the film, besides the fact that she loves to eat chocolate. So, what happens? Um, Her mother used to be involved in a gang, and she fell in love with somebody who was part of another gang. They were run out, and they split up. He goes to Japan, she goes to a different part of Thailand, and she raises her autistic daughter, being the main character played by uh, Zizha Yanin. As years progress, the mother develops cancer, And they're too poor to pay for the medicine to kind of get her better. So what happens is the daughter has this, like, poor best friend. And he discovers this book of all these names of people that owe the mother money. But what it is, it's people from, you know, 20 years ago that owe the mother money. And he's like, oh, we can go and pay your your mother's medical bills by collecting these debts that she hasn't had any connection with this world in 20 years so the two of them this this poor little fat kid and the autistic girl go and try to collect these debts and what happens is she's she really loves her mother so then it starts to click in her like oh these people aren't doing the right thing and they're like being aggressive towards us so she gets aggressive back And it leads into her using this kind of memory she has of all of this fighting from watching. So, okay, a little bit of a disclaimer. I believe that there was an issue when it came to when the film was first being produced and say when it started to be distributed. Because the very first full-on fight scene that you see, you are meant to assume that what she's doing is she's just doing whatever action movie she, she watches. The majority of the film before this first fight, first fight scene, she sees people training in the yard, and she's imitating their kicks and punches, and then you see her sitting in her home, eating chocolate, watching, <laughs> oddly enough, she's watching Tony Ja on Bach, because I believe that's probably the one of the few films they had the rights to kind of show during the film, but that first fight scene, she's doing a lot of maneuvers that apparently and i don't don't quote me on this 100 percent, but i believe i've read somewhere originally some of the footage of her watching fighting movies and other kung fu movies 
a couple of them weren't supposed to all be Tony Jaa. They were supposed to actually be Bruce Lee films. So that first fight scene, you see her throwing kicks and doing that whole, you know, fighting stance nose flick and doing the whoa. And you see that and you go, none of that's Tony Jaa. So it's it, it leads to believe that any of those rumors floating around that you read about are probably true, that they just didn't have the rights to show, you know, um, whatever films that she was probably watching that were Bruce Lee, and they had to replace it with all Tony Jaa films and try to see if nobody would notice. But people noticed, and that's why I know that piece of information. So she has that fight, and then she's fighting and fighting people and collecting 20-year-old debts, and then the gang that she left comes back and wants to wants the money back because it's technically all of their debts, not just her debts. And then the father comes back from Japan, and there's all this all this fighting and all this commotion. And it's just, it, it's a really good action film, and it's definitely a great depiction of um, a person with a uh, who is autistic as the main character, and also as a person who is the the hero of the story. So chocolate. Her is her first starting role. If you go to her IMDb, the first thing you see is chocolate. And it's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch that one. Now, a year later, she does a film called Raging Phoenix. Again, probably not the actual name of the film when it was um, produced and released overseas, but probably the name given to it by um, us when we ported it over here to America. So... This is a film, it starts off, she's a drummer in a band. Again, the same actress. And another thing is, you'll, you recognize her, but she, I don't think she was using legitimate names. Because each of these films, she's like, listed as somebody different. So like, for the f three films she's in, it's actually, uh, she's um, given the credit as, y I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, Yanin Vismistanada. I'm definitely butchering that. Please forgive me. But that's another reason why like these probably don't pop up if people want to look up her name now. Because her name now, which she's credited under for everything, is Jijayanin. But I digress. So, she does this film where she's... It starts off with her as the drummer of a band. They're playing, and I'm guessing she sees her ex-boyfriend or ex-bandmate something if i remember the translation correctly so she charges him after they finish a song not only just charges him but leaps over people's heads to get to him and then she grabs him by the neck and it's like why did you kick me out of the bed why did you kick me out and i'm like okay so we're meant to assume that not only did this person kick her out of the band but then not even 30 seconds later after that scene happens it's the next morning after the night that that band is playing in this location and then that band kicks her out so she's been kicked out of two bands within five minutes apparently now she goes on this drinking binge where she has this moment where she's lying in a field and you're basically given the whole backstory in a little bit of dialogue which sometimes i hate but you know if this is how they want to portray it, you know, I'm not fully watching movies like this for 100% the story. I also want to see a lot of really good action and really good fight scenes. So she has this moment, she's laying down, and she's just speaking out into the world in a drunken stupor. Why does everybody abandon me? My mo First my mother, and now my band. And it's like, okay, I don't think either of those are on the same level, but 
I'm following you. Let's let's keep going. And so another thing that happens right before you're given this scene is you're given this depiction during the opening credits that there's a lot of women being kidnapped all over um, this town, all over the city. And when you see these scenes of like people out with like their girlfriends or their wives and they're getting abducted, you see her walking around and she's drunk. She winds up going to get abducted. However, she gets saved. Somebody winds up saving her and bringing her back to like their lair. And then when she wakes up, she's like, what happened? And he was like, you almost were abducted. We saved you. Um, now get the fuck out. Like, that's basically what it is. But then she's like, no, train me. I have no place else to be. Like, train me. I want to learn how to fight like you guys. So they train her in this drunken style, caballera, Muay Thai boxing fighting style. It's very interesting to watch. It's a lot of fun to see it unfold during, like, fight scenes. And the training is, of course, completely out of this world. It's it's completely unrealistic, the training. But action movie, over-the-top things like that. So I digress. We move on. She gets trained to the point where she's, like, a master now. In, like, three days, you know, however long it takes. She, she's a master fighter. And she goes and she tries to, like break up one of these women abducting layers by herself and then the team gets upset and they're like how dare you do that we're a team we're supposed to work together you going and doing this on your own it puts all of us in danger and she's like fuck you i saved all these women like what's happening and she leaves comes back the next day and finds them all like pretty much dead and I'm guessing that's meant to scare her because then this dude with like a shirt wrapped around his head pops up and starts fighting her and, you know, she's upset so, so she's fighting with a lot of rage and he gets the upper hand and kind of pushes her out of a window to the point where she falls on her back and then she gets knocked out. She wakes up in her bed and then she goes back to their training location and all the bodies are gone and then they leave her a note that tells her, yeah, so that day you were abducted, yeah, we knew you were going to get abducted. We're, you, we used you as bait so we can try to, like, like catch them in the act and see if we could get them to lead us to where their overall hideout is. And we're sorry. And originally there's, like, three of these guys. The dude who fights her in the shirt is a fourth guy that she's never met. He was just never around, and that's how she gets introduced to him, is basically this guy, like, spin-kicking her out of a window and almost, like, breaking her back and shit. So, she finds the dude who's the fourth member on the beach. So, she challenges him to a fight in the water, wins the fight, and now she's officially part of the team again. The official team, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's wild when it comes to all of that stuff. But now, this is just the first two acts of the film the third act is mainly mainly about the one guy who's on the team who saves her uh he's an actor who's been in a lot of films uh with um ego us and he was also in a film uh called bangkok knockout oh, that's a good film i should watch that later uh and then he tells the story about how he's the only one that doesn't know if his fiance is dead or not so this is when you learn that all of the people that are on the team, 
they get together because these guys have had their women kidnapped from them. So that's why they're kind of like going to get revenge, but also going to stop this so nobody else would have to go through it. However, every other member besides this one dude, Sanim, has found their women either like tortured or just dead in and of itself. He's the only one that hasn't, so he believes that she's still alive. So that's another reason that drives him to want to find them. And so this, and Jijayanin's character is just like, you know what? Let's make me bait again. And let's have them kidnap me and then you just follow me and then save me. So of course they do that. And the bad guys are smart. They pick up on the fact that they're doing that. They distract all the dudes and they kidnap the girl. And the guys are like, shit, we lost her. And then this is where this this movie just goes really freaking crazy. They take they take her down to what is apparently the the this these underground catacombs that are underneath the city, and this is where all of it's happening. So why they're kidnapping girls is that they are they have a certain smell that only a few people can detect. So anybody who's the bad guy can detect it. Now that smell tells them something about their body chemistry and what they're doing is they're drugging them up like getting them to produce artificial tears or something and then they're collecting their tears as like youth serums and all you see is all these kidnapped girls and all these kidnapped women and they're all just pale-faced and they're sitting there on like the ground in these yellow like um uh, medical scrubs and they're collecting their tears in these little cups and they're just pouring them little by little and they gotta think this is a person's tears and they and then you see these huge jars of all of these apparent you know women tears that are just like do you know how many tears it takes to fill like a gallon jar like is that why you kidnap them so much is because you need to fill a gallon to sell it for like a million dollars or something because it gives somebody an extra three years of their life. I don't, I, they never fully explained why it is they're collecting tears or selling them or drug or what they're doing to drug these women or whatnot. But the character played by Ji Jayanin, they start doing the process of what it takes to get her to the point where they can start collecting her tears. And, she escapes and she's trying to get out and then she gets caught and then they're, tr- they're, they're trying to like drag her back but she gets into this ventilation system where um the ventilation system leads from the laboratory all the way up to the ground again this is the catacombs underneath the city so her team's trying to find her and only one of them is is capable of picking up the smell that is the mark of a girl who can get abducted so the smell travels up this ventilation system, he smells it, and then they just find a cl- the close enough sewer drain and jump down it, and then bam, they're in the lair. So they start fighting, they all try to stop the bad guys, and then uh, the Zhijianin character goes with the Sanim character to see if they could find maybe his fiance is there. Now mind you, this team of four dudes is well enough trained to take on a whole bunch of people beforehand. Like, you've seen them in fight scenes with, like, 20 dudes. So now it's the girl, uh, the character played by Gigi Yanin, and uh, the character of Sanim. They've left. The other three people that are part of the team are fighting. 
these other two bad guys who are apparently have like big boss energy because they're getting friggin' slaughtered the entire time. Like these guys are doing their breakdancing drunken stuff, but none of them are drunk. They're all sober. And I'm guessing maybe that's why they got completely like, like shit, like they shit all over them. They throw on them at walls. They're, they're hitting them like they're picking them up and swinging them and like giving them kicks from side to side. They just abusing these three dudes these other two random dudes and he finds the other two go off he finds the fiance he goes to save her then you see the big boss reveal the big boss reveal is this really buff athletic black lady who is wearing like this open button-up with like a florel bikini on and she's got a pair of doc martens on and she's just there with with like a really tight ponytail and she's smiling like i knew you would come for your fiance i knew you've been looking for her and he goes to try to save the fiance and the two of them wind up fighting this big boss lady and she's even stronger than the other two that are fighting the three guys on the other side of this catacombs dungeon cave thing. And they eventually kind of get the upper hand. He grabs his fiance and they're trying to escape. Apparently they don't know how to get out because who, who, who would have thought to just turn around and go back the way you came. But they eventually lead into what is this huge well-like bottomless pit. That's got a bunch of bridges crossing it from different entrances. And that's just not explained at all why this huge burrowed hole that's thousands of feet deep and it's thousands of feet high from wherever they were. That's the city ground and how these bridges came across. It's just there. It's just there. So then the big boss lady, she comes back and she's fighting them on these bridges, these (laughs) intercrossing wooden bridges that are swinging back and forth. Long story short, Senim dies. He dies trying to save his fiance, and Jijayanin winds up saving the fiance, and she's just so distraught because this was her mentor. And so Big Boss Lady takes the two of them, drags them back to the main cave, and just like lays them on the ground. So now Jijayanin is a bloody mess. The fiance is completely still zoned out, still drugged up, like beyond belief. And the other three members of the team that are still alive, they're completely abused and lying on the floor. And they just keep ki- kicking the crap out of them one by one. Jijayanin has this moment where she's, like, experiencing her past with all of these people. And, of course, she's also, like, really upset about the death of Sanim. So she gets up and has this, like, epiphany moment where she becomes, like, the godsend fighter... And just completely wipes the floor with these other two dudes who just completely slaughtered her team of three other guys. So three against two, the three lose. Two against one, and she mops the floor with them. So it's meant to be this thing where it's like, okay, she just so happened to be the strongest fighter. Or it's her rage and her emotion that's driving her. So, she beats the both of them up. Now she has to fight Big Boss Lady again. And... There is a lot of... Okay, what I have to also specify is that there's a lot of fighting, and the fighting is awesome. You know, so even if the storyline is complete trash, the fighting's awesome, and she has this huge fight scene with Boss Lady, and there's just so many moments where you're like, okay, that's the end of the fight. But then it's not. 
And this is a thing that they did a lot back in the day where fight scenes should have ended with certain moves way beforehand. And if you didn't want them to, then maybe you should have had more characters that maybe like that should have been the time where this character kind of boom, cut off, dead or knocked out or whatever. There's a moment where she does this really cool thing where she does a split, like a split kick, but it's on the ground. So she's sliding into a split. Her foot is up flat and she kicks in the 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 lady in the bikini's head and the kick on one side of her face is with such force and it's stopped by like a pillar in the cave so one side of this lady's head is hitting the cave while being shoved with force by a full-on split kick from uh um from Jijayanan's character and it makes this cracking sound and then the body just kind of does a little twitch. And so you're like, oh, okay, if that was real life, you'd be dead. But she's not. She gets right back up and they fight for another five minutes. It's like, those are great moves and you devalue them when you have the person stand up right after. That That's that's wrestling... Um, uh, what's the word? That, that That's like uh, wrestling theology. Like, if you hit your finishing move and the guy gets up right afterwards... He's no-selling. He's making your move look like nothing. So you just made this ridiculous, impactful move, like, with such force and it's such, like, awesomeness that you just have to stop and go, oh, Jesus Christ, because if that happened in real life, you'd be dead. But then she gets right back up, so it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't that bad, I guess. I mean, it looked bad. It sounded bad. So that happens. They fight for another five minutes, and then she wins. She takes her back, she takes the fiancé back to the house where her and the character Sanim were supposed to live in, and the team is standing outside, and I'm guessing that it's meant to lead into some something where she stays. With, she leaves the team and stays with the fiancé to, to kind of be closer to Sanim. I don't know, the, the ending is never explained, it's very convoluted, but the bad, guy, the, the bad guys lose, the good guys win. So... I just explained two of Zhijayanin's films for you. This is the third one. And this is pretty much where I believe she fell off and nobody wanted to give her a chance again. And it's really upsetting because she is a good action star. Raging Phoenix and Chocolate are really good examples of how she can be, be a good action star. And then after this, she doesn't get anything but some really minor roles. And I believe she deserves another lead role. But this... This last film is definitely not up to par with the rest of it. So the last film she does is called This Girl is Badass. Two exclamation points. Don't get me wrong, it's not the greatest name in the world, but I've also heard worse names for films. And again, this is probably just the American uh, name that was given to it when it was brought over here from overseas. And it's definitely... Like, not supposed to... I mean, you hear that, and even though it's corny and cliche, maybe, you're expecting it to be a pretty out-there film. But it's more... It's like a like a Jackie Chan comedy action film, but more leaning towards the comedy. You know? So it's like, if if you went into a Jackie Chan film and you saw more comedy than action, it would probably upset you. So when you look at the other two films that she has, um, I think Chocolate is a straight-up action film. It might be a drama. 
And then Raging Phoenix is an action thriller, I believe. And then you have this film, This Girl is Badass, which is an action comedy, straight up. Like, it can't really be anything else. So this is her first comedy. And, yeah, it's just, it's it's bad. I don't even know if I really want to get into what most of the story is. I'll give you just, like, a quick synopsis. She's like a bike messenger. And she's, like doing these runs for these mob two different like gang leaders or mob bosses or something and she gets caught up in some scheme that i think she's doing like she's stealing their product or their money like it's just a very convoluted story and and there's really like zero action in any of the action that there is it's not as good as her first two films it's very lackluster and it's really upsetting when you think about, oh, that might be something good because it's Zhijayanin. Like, she's a she's a fantastic action star, and these first two films she has are proof of that. So let's throw her in here and let's see how it goes. And it fails. I'm sorry. It's not that good. I would say watch all three of them because it really does show the the rise and the downfall of an action star over three films. You know what I mean? Like, you can sometimes get... You can get 10 films in before you see an action star really fall off and it becomes something like how The Rock did, you know, the Tooth Fairy. You know what I'm saying? Like that, this is the Tooth Fairy for Zhijayanin and it's upsetting that she hasn't come back from it and this film was from 2011 and her most recent thing, like I said, it was Triple Threat where she has, she's only in the film for like 15 minutes scattered during the first act of the film and all of her action in that film is tremendous but it's only 15 minutes worth and she's had leading roles where she's fantastic and she's a huge uh, action fighting talent that deserves another chance and deserves another lead role and I know that if you're going off of her very last film she's not going to get that but I feel that she should I feel like somebody should give her something you know some kind of story can be written to the point where you give her 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 due to come back from the disaster that is this girl is badass uh i would recommend watching all three of them if you want to stop at like chocolate and raging phoenix you can and if you never watch this girl is badass i don't blame you but if you do want to become a fan of this action star and kind of get on the ball with me when it comes to wanting more from her then watch all three and you'll see like the reason why you she's probably not going to ever again and it's really upsetting to think that and she's she's young too this is even more upsetting is that she's young she's up and coming and she could have been as big, if not bigger, than Tony Job and Ego US. And I think Ego US is one of the top guys right now. And I thought Tony Job was, you know, seven or eight years ago. So she only has 11 credits on, like, IMDb. And three of them are lead roles. Everything else is co-starring or minor things that she's not even in the film for that long. Like, one says Jim Fighter Girl. Like, she doesn't have enough under her belt, but... Her very first role was enough to get her two more films after the fact. So she has the talent. Somebody just has to give her another chance. Please, somebody give her another chance. I feel like she can't end it with This Girl is Badass. And if you're a frequenter, you know I try to not talk so badly 
about movies unless I really, really feel that the movie was not up to par. And when it comes to her three films, two of them are tremendous. Her last one is just hot, steaming garbage. And I'm so sorry to say that, but I am going to say that I still think she deserves another chance and she deserves to give us something else. Another film where she's the lead role. No more co-starring things. No more minor things that only last a couple of minutes. She needs a full-on her own role movie where she's the main the main character. If you give that if you give her that chance, if somebody gives her that chance, I know most of these are done by Magnolia Studios, who produced a lot of the um, Tony Jaa films and I believe some of the Ego US films. If you give her a shot and give her another film, I guarantee you, if it if it's up to par when it comes to what she's able to do in Chocolate or Raging Phoenix, it's going to have a fan base and it's going to be highly highly rated and highly recommended. That That's my opinion. If you're a Gigi Yanin fan, maybe you agree. If you've never even heard of her and maybe these bizarre explanations of her films are enough to intrigue you, then I say stop what you're doing. They're not that long. You could probably finish them in, in one sitting, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. Watch these three films and in, enjoy what is, at this point, Gigi Yanin's career. I, unfortunate, her entire career at this point. And if you want to throw Triple Threat in there, Triple Threat's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of Expendables, Triple Threat is a lot of fun and really out there when it comes to action films as well. But a bit of a better story.